0: Welcome to Christ Church. The following is a homily from our Sunday morning gathering in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Enjoy. John 3 speaks of being born in the Spirit. John 4 talks about the eternal water, what we think of as baptism. And John 6, eternal bread Jesus is the manna present to the people, and it also equals Holy Communion. It does not take long for someone to realize that the Gospel of John has a different feel and language from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But I don't want to bore you with the intricacies of historical critical reading of Scripture, which I think is widely used to avoid dealing with difficult texts. But basically, the Gospel of John is probably written towards the end of the first century or early second century. This has been debated for millennia, uh, and it just, it, it, I think the answer depends on who you are speaking with at that moment. But that is the general scholarly understanding of when it was written. Still within a hundred years of Jesus' life, And one of the seminal events of the first century Judaism and Christianity is the destruction of the temple by the Romans in 70 AD. Largely, Christians continue to utilize the temple worship system. We see in the book of Acts the disciples continuing to gather and teach in the temple. But when the temple is destroyed, how do we connect to God? If we did not have this place... How would we connect to God? We can't go to the temple anymore, but we can still encounter God through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the waters of baptism, and through Holy Communion. Now, there are disciples that hear Jesus' words Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no life within you. And when they hear this, many disciples leave. Jesus had been drawing larger and larger crowds, and they love Jesus when he is performing miracles. They love Jesus when he is feeding them, but what they find hard is his teachings, and some leave. And Jesus asked those who remain, are you going to leave too, or are you going to stick it out? To which they say, well, where could I go? What else is there? Russell Brand in The Guardian states, there is an ongoing sense that this, i.e. modern life, isn't working. There was an important job that religion was doing, he says, but because of X, Y, and Z, we have, possibly quite rightly, rejected it. But the way we see the world now excludes us from a life that has meaning. And I don't think pop culture can fill that gap anymore. I don't think art can do it anymore. Things are getting too serious. People need to be able to connect with something that is essential and beautiful and valuable and true. So yes, many people are leaving the church, but they aren't necessarily leaving religion. As Megan O'Giblin says, as more and more Americans leave behind religious belief, instead of becoming purely rational agents, we increasingly displace those religious enthusiasms into other things. So it isn't that we have ceased to be religious, it's just that we have now made new things religions. David Zoll shared with us at Pub Theology an event a few years ago with this story. My friend was training for a marathon. That would have made more sense. It was Sunday, and he was about a week out from running his first 10K race. I can't even imagine that. (sighs) On his route that morning, he wanted me to know he had passed three gyms with full parking lots, five packed fitness studios, and six nearly empty churches. Thanks, thanks for the report, I said, disingenuously. I hope you trip and fall next week. <laughs> <clears throat> he laughed and hung up. He had not called just to needle his religious friend. A few days previous, we'd had a conversation about the burgeoning soul cycle phenomenon. A mutual acquaintance of ours had become an instructor and kept inviting us to come down to the soul sanctuary, and do a class. I was afraid of the soreness and I knew what that I knew would result, but my buddy took the plunge and immediately got weirded out by the overt religiosity. SoulCycle may be the most popular fitness company to appeal to the spiritual aspirations of its customers. Their classes even follow a discernible liturgy, but they are far from the only one. Americans have been religious about exercise since Richard Simmons first started sweating to the oldies. (laughs) But in the last decade or so, marketers have clearly gotten the memo and made the association explicit. Sunday mornings no longer present a toss-up between church and the gym. The gym now is church. You pay your tithe. You pass the peace, you follow the same rituals and sit under the same symbols, maybe even reach endorphin-induced transcendence in what athletes call the zone. It is not just exercise, but parenting and purity codes. We judge one another by free range versus helicopter. Helicopter. I've been a helicopter dad for a long time. It doesn't work. Just for the record, it doesn't work. Or food? Is what you are eating locally sourced and responsibly grown? Do you eat fast food? It felt like a lot of anxiety. A lot of sense of righteousness was at stake in where people were eating. And when they were eating, and there was a lot of hiding. And any time there's hiding, there's usually some form of judgment or condemnation that people are afraid of. But there is an atonement theology behind much of these secular religions. One of my favorite humor websites ridiculed this dynamic, br- this dynamic brilliantly in a video about a fictional new, st- new fitness tracker called the Nike Run Logic Plus, which tells a person not just how far they're running, but why they run. Get ready. This device pinpoints the desperate psychological demons at the root of your exercise routine, goes the pitch. The potential motivations listed by the app include constant shame, still single, disappointed father, before sharing the mock testimonial of one user, I'm super afraid that my friends don't really like me. I ran 27 miles today and now I feel nothing. That's part of what religion is about a sort of guilt management system where you end up offloading your guilt or your shame, receiving some sort of better sense of yourself. People are very much doing the same thing. When seculosities exhaust you, when they beat you into the total nervous wreck, that's usually when you find real faith something that's not based in your performance. I'm going to read that again. When the seculosities exhaust you, that is the intersection of religion and the secular world. When they beat you into into the total nervous wreck, that's usually when you find real faith, something that's not based on your performance. Religion, at its best, is a place where we can go with our guilt and shame. When you cut religion out of your life, a lot of times it looks like you're cutting out the oppressive part, the mandates. But when you do that, you're also cutting off the forgiveness. Church and faith and religion offer a forgiveness that the secular world cannot offer. And oftentimes in these situations, especially when it comes to bettering ourselves physically or mentally, they often give a greater sense of condemnation in the secular world if you're not exercising enough, if you don't fit inside the proverbial box of society. So there is a significant difference between the secular religiosities that we are seeing and that we all take part in and what we can experience in this place. So I will challenge you this week to find more ways to deepen your faith and to deepen your relationship with this religion that we practice. Amen.